And welcome into hour number two of the Outdoor Show. Glad to have you with us. Still to come, we got fishing reports coming up from Captain Ryan Lambert, Brendan Bayard for you paddlers, and also the Born on the Bayou's Captain Mike Gallo. We're also going to tell you about a very special hunting trip that's coming up next week. You'll get to see it on Bayou Wild TV with the newly crowned world champion duck caller, Hayden Richard. And speaking of Bayou Wild, our co-host, Martha Spencer, Captain Martha Spencer, joins us now to talk about some offshore fishing opportunities that are coming up. Martha, thanks for getting up with us this morning. How you doing? Oh, yeah, I'm doing great, Don. Good morning to you. Listen, um, February, you know, uh, Glenn Sanchez, one of the field reporters that was on this show for years, he always had a comment about the month of February. He would say, you know what the best thing about February is? He says it's the shortest month of the year. Because they're really, you know, the hunting seasons for the most part are down. Uh, fronts are coming through. Water's low and dirty for inside fishing. Freshwater's kind of coming around. But really, there's a big opportunity in the offshore world in the Gulf of Mexico that a lot of people have never experienced. Some of it's on their bucket list and uh, you are right in the middle of it it's called lump season and offshore fishing for those tuna and wahoo tell us what's in store for the latter part of this month in february on into march well when i started fishing down here about six or seven years ago um, i actually remember fishing on new year's day and the lump actually was firing off the lump is a small area on the east side of the river it's about two square miles and uh, migratory large tuna move in uh, from around the world to this spot. We never know how long they're going to be there for. It's typically four to eight weeks, but sometimes longer, sometimes shorter. However, anybody that's fished in Venice knows about it because it is the time of year where you're always catching big tunas when you're catching. Wahoo season also coincides with that. Wahoo migrate. We get them throughout the year, but we get them a little more consistently. I think there's just an abundance of bait around in that area. We've caught really large wahoo on the same area. We've caught them at the rigs at this time of year, basically between now and March. So this is the time of year people that have been offshore start to think about it. It is the time of year you have to plan a little more when you do book a trip, and that's because the weather is so different. You ride down the river and it's freezing. The water temperature is in the 50s. Then you get out offshore and you get into blue water, and the water is 15 degrees warmer sometimes. So you just definitely want to be prepared when you do book a trip to dress in layers, uh, have clothes that you can remove or put back on depending on what part of the water you're in. But it's a really fun time of year to fish because it's about the only time in the entire year in Venice where you're going to see a plethora of other boats, which can be really entertaining at times. It's kind of like an arena effect. You'll see anywhere from private bay boats out there because it's so close to land, too. It's one of the shortest runs we make all year. So the bonus to that is a lot of times it's the cheapest fuel bill you're going to find throughout the season. So all of us anglers and captains that have been kind of taking a step back over the winter months and enjoying the holidays, we're now getting to where we're all chomping at the bit, which means we want you to come fish with us. Another cool factor about it is uh, there's a tournament going on. It's a three-month-long tournament called the Louisiana Tuna and Wahoo Championship, and it started up about three years ago. We are entered in it, Southern Catch Outfitters, both boats. There are 62 boats this year entered with $122,000 net pot for that. There's different categories from blackfin to kingfish to swordfish added this year, but the primary money is in the wahoo and the tuna. And what's neat about that is they're giving us six days in that three-month period to declare. So if you want to book a trip as a customer, we're already entered. If the fishing is hot that week, we may say, okay, we're going to declare these two days, and then you get to be a part of the tournament and possibly the angler that even catches the fish. So it's exciting. It's fun. Uh, The winning fish was almost 200 pounds last year. 
Um, the fish are there right now. It's looking like it's going to be an easy, uh, early season, um, kind of similar to what I saw about six years ago. Um, some large fish have already been caught. A buddy of mine landed a 210 the other day, a uh, tuna fish, and a 190, and another boat caught five over 120, which is exceptional. He had a lot of captains on board. But the big fish season is now. It's not every day. People need to remember that some days the water is dirty and sometimes the fishing isn't good. It's still fishing. We can't go out there and guarantee you a big tuna every day. It's still fishing. However, this is a great time of year if you're interested in big gaming for Wahoo, triple-digit Wahoo sometimes, and tuna is well over 100, sometimes over 200 pounds. And you guys have got the boats, you've got the gear, you've got the bait, you've got the know-how, you just have to show up. Uh, how many people are, typically go on a trip, and how do they get in touch with you at Southern Catch Outfitters to check the dates? So it's actually a great time of year to put a bigger group together. Sometimes it's more fun to have less, but since we will be running uh, Chum Drift, it's a good time of year to have four to six anglers. We can take up to six people uh, legally. That's all the charter boats in Venice. Um, so you can get you and five of your friends together and book a trip. All you want to do is pack your lunch, pack your drinks, and show up at the dock. Um, you can find us at southerncatchoutfitters.com. We're also on Facebook and on Instagram, Southern Catch Outfitters. Um, you, the, all the trip information, all your frequently asked questions are on that website, Southern Catch Outfitters. We, we operate out of Cypress Cove Marina. And, again, it's a great time of year, too, because, you know, it's not summertime hours, so we're not leaving at the crack of dawn. We're leave, well, we are, but it's not, you know, super late. And it's a short run, so the day on the water may be a little shorter than typically later in the season, so that's kind of attractive to some folks as well. But it's a really fun time of year to fish. Um, again, pricing and all that. All the trips in Venice, some states they'll do, you know, uh, species-specific rates, but in Venice we're pretty much – the same rate for every trip, every fish. So you can figure it out. And if you need fuel estimates, you know, contact Captain John. He's uh, he run, he's the owner of the company. He runs the other boat. We've got two 40-foot Invincibles with quad 300 Yamaha outboards, uh, comfortable ride, built-in storage space for your drinks and food. Uh, it's just a great time. Sounds good, Martha. Good luck this year. And uh, Southern Catch Outfitters, you can find them on Facebook, also the website. And we'll be checking in with you throughout the season to find out how the fishing's going. Thank you, Don. Appreciate it. All righty. Captain Martha Spencer, Southern Catch Outfitters, has been on your bucket list to get out and catch one of those. She said 210 and 190. That is a lot of tuna. And I got to tell you, the Wahoo, to me, next to a tarpon, is maybe the most exciting fish to catch. Give you a long run and a great fight. And not a bad eating fish, too. We'll be right back after this. We'll check in with Captain Mike Gallo, find out what's going on on the bayou right after this timeout. And the Born on the Bayou Report with Captain Mike Gallo of Angling Adventures of Louisiana is a sponsorship of CETO for $179 a year. You will get fuel drops when and where you need them, tow-ins, jump starts for electrical problems, whatever it's going to take to get you back to the dock safely. CETO is a AAA on the water. Peace of mind for you, and it's also for your loved ones. And it's one phone call away. That's it. Captain Chris, 504 301-4545. Won't take you but a couple of minutes. Or if you prefer, click on CETO.com and get signed up for a CETO membership. Captain Mike joins us now. And, uh, Mike, how's fishing been this week? We've had a few windy days. We've had some cold days. A little bit of a warm-up. Kind of a a wintry mix, I guess you might say. You know, Don, often when I'm talking to clients on the phone, 
that are wanting recommendations for times of the year to fish, I tell them the fishing often follows the weather. You think of those times of the year where you have really good weather, late April, May, June. That's really good fishing, those times of the year. October is another time where we have really good fishing. So this week we had weather that was kind of all over the place, and the fishing was very similar to that. Uh, Our best day was Thursday where we had some really calm conditions. Um, I do feel the bite is best in the evenings as opposed to in the mornings. I don't know if it's less boat traffic or the water warms up. I don't have a I don't have an answer for that one. I wish I knew why they seem to bite better um, in the evenings than they do in the mornings. But that has certainly been uh, what we found this week. We are still seeing the um, you know the usual suspects in some of the deep holes in the bayous and the main passes and over towards the Pearl River area. And I'm talking about the the catfish, the freshwater catfish that we've still still been seeing, an occasional bass, redfish, sheephead, black drum. It's the trout that have been a little scarce this week. And I would I would imagine some of that uh, harsh weather we had towards the end of last week um, shoved them into deeper water and scattered them quite a bit where we just haven't had opportunities to get out and really, really locate them very much. You know, Mike, uh, oftentimes uh, Robbie Campo's reports and your reports kind of uh, butt each other or sometimes actually cross over. He mentioned this morning something that you and I have done several times, uh, and that's go uh, from his vantage point up the Mystico near Violet and fish uh, plastics, bouncing them off those rocks along the shoreline there. And he said there were some people that caught some trout in there. And that's kind of finesse fishing, you know, to get in there and bounce off those rocks. And usually it's this time of the year when the water's a little colder and the fish are a little more sluggish, and you really get that very little tick-tick kind of a bite. And sometimes it results in a speckled trout or white trout, and we've even caught some blue catfish in there. Have you done any of that recently? Has that been on? I haven't made it over there this past week, but that is one of those areas that I was talking about where that, Harsh weather would push those fish into deep, you know, deep areas. And the Mr. Go is certainly deep water. And I think, you know, through the course of the day, as the water temperatures warm up, those fish will migrate from down deep where they're in 30 foot of water and work those way, work their way up to those ledges. And, you know, the rocks is like the first link in the food chain. Algae grows on the rocks. There's little crabs and small minnows that want to hide in those rocks and eat that algae, and then obviously that's how the food chain begins. So when those fish are looking to feed, they'll move up closer to those rocks where the water might be a few degrees warmer, and there'll be more bait for them. So you're correct. Bouncing plastics along those rocks or those ledges. There's generally two ledges in the mist to go. You can find them with your depth finder. They're not too difficult to find. Parallel cast along those ledges. Fish love to hang out around ledges. So that's always a good bet. And pay attention to your surroundings. As you're drifting, if you happen to catch a fish, just look at the shoreline to sort of make a mental note of where you are. Because you might find a 300-yard stretch where there's more fish than any place else, and you simply drift back and forth across that one area. 
to have a as most you know the best productive day you can have. All right, very good advice, Mike. We're just about out of time, but maybe next week I'd like to talk to you more about this potential flounder closure and uh, what impact you might see from that. And maybe if you've noticed, uh, I know you keep pretty good records on when and uh, and how many flounders show up in, in in your catches and what effect that might have on your trips. Thanks for the report, Mike. If somebody wants to get you, uh, you're on my website. They can always find you there. Your website aaofla.com. Give them that telephone number if they want to give you a call. Sounds good, Don. You can find me at 985-781-7811, and I'll do a bit of homework for next week about the flounder. Sounds good. Take care, Mike. We'll see you then. All right, Don. Talk to you then. All right, up next, it's the Paddler's Report, the Bayou Coast Kayak Fishing Club. What a great organization that is. We were talking about kind of the demise of bass clubs, but, boy, there's a growing group of kayak fishermen, and it's called the BCKFC. It's the Bayou Coast Kayak Fishing Club, and they, along with Massey, sponsor a Paddler's Report. Brendan Bayard's next to talk about it right after this timeout. Each week we have a special time designated for paddlers who fish out of kayaks, canoes, P-Raws, Tom Sawyer, rafts, whatever floats your boat. And it's brought to you by Massey's Outfitters. They're located in Mid-City, New Orleans, Baton Rouge, and Covington. You'll find Hobie models, Jackson Kayak, Native Watercraft, and just hundreds and hundreds of fishing accessories. You can visit the website to check out their products and also find out when they're doing those demo days. That's at MasseyOutfitters.com, or you can check them out on Facebook. Brendan Bayard joins us now to give us the latest report. And, uh, Brendan, uh, this weather, this little cool frontal systems that uh, it's like a roller coaster they come in they go out it warms up they come back in again the wind blows how's that affecting the fishing from the paddlers uh don it's it's the time of year that uh you know when you get a nice cold front it can be useful to kind of congregate the fish in certain areas if you know those areas to fish i, I really like it um the the couple of weeks before this it was so warm the fish were so spread out uh this cold weather kicked in and uh, some great trips were had this week uh, going into dead-end canals, fishing uh, flats in the evening as the water warmed up. Uh, it just makes the trout kind of congregate in the usual winter areas. Before that, the weather was so warm, it was it was practically uh, October uh, for a few weeks there. And, and the fish were just all over, and I'd had some trips. And, you know, I'd, I'd catch fish, but it, it wasn't those good winter trips where you almost have a, a giant meat haul in your ice chest and uh this week it certainly changed for the better in my opinion uh there, there wasn't quite as many uh shrimp and bait everywhere in the winter uh it seems like the fishing is really good because uh you know everything you throw the fish are going to eat because you know there's less competition bait wise in the water uh i think we had some nice north winds this that last weekend that kind of flushed some of the bait out of the system um, you know, Monday, Tuesday were really nice for the uh, for the trout in those dead end canals. It, it like Mike said earlier, it, it, the bite does get better in the afternoon for whatever reason. But uh, you know, late morning the fish were were pretty active. Throwing we were throwing miradines, uh, plastics, uh, popping corks. weren't throwing top waters. That's the only kind of downsize when you when you get a nice cold front that comes in and kind of shocks the system. Those fish aren't quite as uh, aggressive to come up to the top of the water. After, it, it takes them a few days to uh, uh, 
acclimate to that water temperature. But once they do, you know, you'll still have those nice winter days where you can catch them on top water. It's just right after that change, it's a little harder to do that. But the fishing's been great, I think. Yeah, when you find them, stick with them because they're going to be congregated during those colder temperatures. Brendan, uh, Minimalist Challenge is coming up later this month. Explain what that is and uh, how that tournament works and how people can get signed up for it if they're interested. Yeah, we have the Minimalist Challenge coming up in uh, January on the 26th. Uh, that's, uh, you know, three weeks or so. Um, we still have some room to sign up if you want to try that. Uh, it's a little different this year. We we usually have this over at uh, Launch Leeville Public Launch right at the end of the road there. But with the hurricane and that, that launch really damaged, uh, we, we uh, decided to move it this year. And we have it in St. Bernard Parish. Uh, and we've kind of split up the launch locations just because of the size, the overwhelming size of the participants that come out for this. Uh, so we have it, you know, you can choose between going to Bread and Sound, Pips, Campos, or Sweetwater. So kind of some main launches in, in St. Bernard, all offering a, a different, a slightly different little bit of fishing uh, area. So a lot of guys are out there right now um, pre-fishing those areas. Uh, fishing's been pretty good, so uh, we'll see what happens. And uh, I think I think uh, everybody can fish up to maybe like a week before, and then there's kind of like a, a dead period right before the tournament. So they're hitting it now while they can. And explain the part about you can only fish with what you're given. Yeah, so everybody will start with a, a bag, like a little Ziploc bag, and it's got five lures in it. And some of these are plastics. Sometimes they'll give us a little uh, crankbait or a rip bait, and then uh, some hooks of various sizes, jig heads. So you really want to make sure you don't lose one of those lures because, you know, one of them might be kind of the winner for the day, and 90% of your fish will come off of that one lure. So every time you catch a fish, I'm really uh, methodical about checking my line, making sure I retie my leader if I have a little nick in it, making sure I kind of upsize my leader material that day just because you don't want to, you know, skimp around with some 14, 15-pound leader material. I'll go for the 25 uh, fluorocarbon and uh, kind of keep that bait on the line for the rest of the day. Is super glue allowed? Yeah, I think you can bring super glue. A lot of the guys will uh, patch up their baits throughout the day. I certainly remember years where uh, that thing is just hanging on, and uh, it's yeah. kind of a hard block of super glue at the end of the day. Yeah, it's real uh, iffy, when, especially when that one bait is producing and it starts getting ragged. Uh, Brendan, before you go, uh, the Department of Wildlife and Fisheries is going to consider a flounder closure uh, probably as early as next fall. How will that affect the tournament fishing? You guys have a tournament where you got to catch a red, a flounder, and a, and a, uh, a, a speckle trout. So it's yeah. a catch photo and release, so I, I guess it really wouldn't impact it that badly, would it? Well, we only did catch photo and release really mainly during the pandemic just so that we wouldn't congregate as a um, at a weigh-in, but We've, been, we've started to do weigh-ins now, so it, it probably will affect us because the last tournament we had was a, uh, was a harvest tournament where we brought them in. Uh, so um, that, that being a championship tournament. Uh, so I don't know. I think, uh, I think we might have to go to catch photo, catch photo and release where we would have had a you know, harvest tournament. So that might make it interesting. Either that or would have to move the tournament out of the, the closure dates, which, you know, might yeah. be more problematic. Yeah, certainly. Than it's worth. I mean, I see well, why they're we'll... doing it. I mean, 
the flounder yeah. fishing has i mean this year was pretty good i will say uh, i caught a lot of flounder this year um the years prior to it between the the bp spill and uh, you know year before this one were, were pretty dismal yeah well, we shall see what happens with that. It should be forthcoming, I think, around February and March commission meetings. They should have some type of a, a proposal in front of the commissioners to consider and for the public to comment on and then maybe put it in four spot by this coming fall. Brendan, thanks for the report. As always, have a great day out there, and we'll see you in a couple of weeks. All right. Thanks, Don. Take care. All right. Brendan Bayard, one of our two field reporters with our Paddler's Report brought to you by Massey's Outfitters. All right, coming back after this, it's not often it's been used in Louisiana, but we do have a hunter and fisherman harassment protection law, and it was uh, cited last week down in Plaquemines Parish. We'll tell you the story right after this on the Outdoors with Don Dubuque Radio Network. I'm thinking we're going to call this uh, text into the show service the Hey Don feature. (laughs) Hey Don, here's one. Hey Don, if I'm wood duck hunting over land only, can I use lead shot? Thanks. That's from Joey C. Joey C., no, you cannot. Whenever you are hunting ducks anywhere, anytime, you have to use non-toxic shot, which would be steel, uh, bismuth, or any of those alloys that are now out there. Uh, There are some geographic areas, certain uh, wildlife refuges, where you can only use steel shot no matter what you're hunting. But in the case of uh, ducks and wood ducks, uh, you have to use steel shot. It's illegal to actually possess lead shot. In other words, you can't even have it on your possession if you wood duck hunting, even if it's overland. And I know you're thinking there is... uh, you know, the if you're in a marsh, there's more tendency for the birds to be uh, ingesting the lead, which is why it was implemented. But uh, that's the law, and uh, we don't want to end up on you to end up on this feature I'm about to talk about, which we'll do. It's bad boy time right after we pause 10 seconds for our local stations to identify themselves on the outdoors with Don Dubuque, Radio Network. Citing a little-used law in Louisiana, the Louisiana Department of Wildlife and Fisheries Enforcement agents arrested a Buras man for allegedly harassing hunters on public property in Plaquemines Parish on December 26th. Sergeant Villery Reggio, Corporal Thomas Forehand, and Agent Shea Shecksnyder, along with Plaquemines Parish Sheriff's Office Sergeant Chad LaFrance, responded to a complaint from hunters hunting ducks on public land in Venice. The complainant contained a video showing Brendan Nolan maneuver his boat into a duck decoy spread that belonged to the hunters. Nolan also verbally harassed the hunters, then produced a loaded pistol and shot the hunters' decoys. When Nolan was located, he was arrested, had his pistol seized, and booked into the Plaquemines Parish Detention Center, and if convicted of harassment of persons lawfully hunting, Simple assault and criminal damage to property, namely the decoys, facing not only fines of $1,500 and 90 days in jail, but also victim restitution to recover actual damages, including expenditures of the affected person for their license and permit fees, travel, guides, special equipment and supplies, to the extent that those expenditures were rendered futile by the actions of the person Violating the law is 32-year-old Brendan Nolan of Buras, Louisiana, our bad boy of the outdoors. 
shooting their decoys on video. I guess that's what you call a little bit of duck rage. All right, coming back after this, it's Ryan Lambert time, Cajun Fishing Adventures. He's down there in the Buras area. I don't think he's ever shot anybody's decoys, at least not intentionally. <laughs> he's next with a fishing report for you on Plaquemines Parish on the outdoors with Don Dubuque, Radio Network. He uses plastic to catch fish, and he uses plastic to attract ducks. I wonder if, Ryan, has anybody ever shot your decoys? I guess accidentally oh, yeah. ever. <laughs> I, I even mounted <laughs> one on a stump for one guy and gave it to him. I mean, <laughs> he hit it so good. He hit it so good. I mean, he crushed it. So we put it, we brought it back with us, and we took it, and we nailed it on a board, and we gave it to him to bring home. <laughs> yeah, they, they shoot yeah. it all the time. But the ducks, if you call the ducks too low, or some sneak in, they just blast. I mean, they yeah. most a lot of people that aren't familiar with really duck hunting a lot. I mean, they, they shoot before they ever gun gets to their shoulder. I mean, they just throw up and start shooting. You know, I said, guys, take your time, take that first shot, make sure you, you know, I coach him up. But some people just get so excited, they just throw up and pop out. They got their gun unloaded before I even could look at a duck. You know, and then sometimes they'll knock down a, a duck and it'll be crippled and writes itself on the water and they happen to pick the wrong one and they'll blast a oh, decoy, I've, you know I mean? Right square on it, you know? Yeah, I've seen them in the decoys too. And I said, look right there, which one? <laughs> really? <laughs> I've seen it oh, all, buddy. Not 45 years of doing this for a living. <laughs> yeah, I would, I would think you have. I would think you have. So how's the fishing been this week? I tell you what, really good. The rivers, the rivers, going to mess up the trout now. You know, it's going to push them out and put them back in the bays, which might be good too. With the redfish, with that big negative tide. I mean, I went down a few days and just we just crushed it. I mean, the smallest fish I caught though was twenty five and a half inches. I mean, they were just stud fish one after another. I had a couple I brought down. Then I fly fished uh, the third day. And I think we caught them up to about 43 inches on the fly. So it's uh, it's been really, really good. And then that front came in, so so I came home for a day or two to recoup before, before Monday comes along. I'll be going back down tonight, and we'll brush the blinds tomorrow, get the boats ready. There's a lot, a lot of ducks. We just, you know, we're just going to have to hunt the fronts. You know, I'm just going to get a, I got a list of locals that can come in. You know, I can tell them you know, five days ahead of time when the wind's going to blow. And if it's blowing out the north, I'll have water enough to to kill the ducks. And there's plenty of ducks. Oh, both leases are, are jam-packed full of ducks. So it's going to yeah, be good. Yeah, you guys, you guys have been enjoying a, a good season. Other folks are not quite so lucky. Uh, talking about those big redfish, though, you know, we have had these regulations in place for a long time now. Five redfish limit, 16 to 27-inch slot limit. What have you seen over the years as far as how that's impacted the fish? Certainly they're more plentiful. It's very easy to go out and catch a full limit of reds. But as far as the size, average size of the fish, have you noticed a big difference in it? I can remember a time when the redfish were really in trouble, you know, back in the 80s, where you couldn't oh, get, yeah, you couldn't find a redfish over 16 inches. Yeah, we, we've always had tons of redfish, you know, in my area. Um, we, we're losing a lot of habitat. That's hurting us. But the way the redfish spawn is good. You know, they go out all at once and all of them spawn all at once and they come in. But we just don't have the habitat to protect them. So I, I don't I don't find that the, the numbers are 
or any better because if we hadn't had trout close to the river in so long, it's everybody there hammers the reds every day because it's easy. So they've been mm-hmm. taking a beating for for ten years now. I mean, taking a beating, but they're still there, and, and you still can catch your limit pretty readily. Um, it just depends, you know. I had this conversation with Sarah this week. She said, "Why are they all big?" I said, "Because we're fishing mullets. These big mullets are here, and only big reds can eat them. Well, where are the little ones? Well, wherever the shrimp are, wherever the little crabs are, in the marsh, in, along the rocks in the river, that's where the smaller fish are, because they can't feed with, on the food that we're fishing on. Because every fish we're catching is 25 to 45 inches." So, I mean, it's fun, but it's, you know, it's not for the, the guys that want to keep a lot of meat because those fish aren't as good to eat. I did keep about seven of them to, to make the dip with, you know, some 28, 30-inch fish. Those are good for making dip, you know, smoke redfish dip. So, you know, I did keep a few to, to get that going, but the rest of them were released and just just awesome fights. When when you pick a braided line with these fish, that's that's fun. That's, it's just and on the fly rod, oh my goodness gracious! Just to to watch that in that clear water, is some really good takes. It's just been good. It's you know the redfish are, are special fish, and you know I, I love the trout, but um, you got to catch them on incoming tide. We got these negative tides till late, late in the day, so it's hard to. This week we'll be able to catch a trout in the evening. You know, because it will have some higher tides. So I'm looking forward to that after the wind stops blowing. Well, thanks for making me hungry mentioning that redfish, Ryan. I'm going to have to go find someone <laughs> as soon as I get off the air. Hey, what about flounder? What are your thoughts on the flounder situation? Looks like we're going to be rec- getting a recommendation for a closure come uh, this fall. Well, we need to, but but we, we've already closed it for us. We don't keep them because very seldom do we see one down there. And we used to be able to catch our limit. And um, whatever is wrong, I don't think closing the season is going to fix it. Um, because we're not taking any. You know, in our area, we, no, no one's keeping them. So I don't know what closing the season. We've already closed it, you know, 12 months out of the year already. So I don't know. I don't, I don't know what we're going to do. I, I don't know what the problem is. You know, I still think it's the oil spill because of the way – where they spawn and what they do is is what hurt them, and eventually they'll come back. But I don't think a season closure for everyone because no one's catching them or keeping them anyhow. So, well, I think that the, the new law they passed where they can regulate what the commercial shrimpers uh, keep and catch as far as flounder, I think that probably has a lot to do with it there. So, you know, we'll see what happens with it. And, yeah, uh, but I think that's going to be – yeah. When they get on them, they, I mean, they can catch a lot of them. But really, I've only seen two or three guys catch a bunch of them, hit a, hit a school or something. But for the most part, there hadn't been that many at the dock. And then you got the question of uh, being able to release them alive if they are caught in the nets, you know, as bycatch. So a lot to be talked about and discussed there. Well, Ryan, uh, if somebody wants to get in on a last third split duck hunt, you say you might have a few spots open? It's open all the way to the end of the month now. Uh, yeah, I have spots with negative tides. So if you're local and you can a little flexible, I can get you in on these cold fronts. And like like the one coming Monday morning, we're going to smash them Monday morning. I still got one blind open for Monday. It's going to be the opener, the split, the cold front coming, 
We have water. It's gonna it's gonna be good. <laughs> Ooh, yeah, yeah it's gonna be call, ugly. If you're flexible, come on and thank thank Don. You need to get on a hunt yet too, so we need to plan that up. Yes, indeed. Give him the phone number. Yeah, just call me at five zero four five five nine five one one one, and uh, we'll work it out. All right, my friend. We'll see you next week. Take care. Okay, buddy. See you. All right, Ryan Lambert. All right, here's a text says, why shoot a decoy? No meat on them. <laughs> Enjoy your show. Uh, this was a case of uh, sometimes they're shot accidentally, as we were talking about, but this was uh, a case of duck road rage, I think. All right, we'll be right back and wrap up this week's edition of The Outdoors with Don Dubuque. Radio. All right, uh, earlier we had a text message uh, from Elliot. He wanted to know about reports of fishing from the bank in Pointe-a-Shen uh, and if any live shrimp were for sale in that area. Uh, I guess when you mention a name like Pointe-a-Shen, there are several Pointe-a-Shens uh, across Louisiana. It's a French word for uh, oak point or uh, point flat oak tree or stuff like that. And I'm sure the one, at least I'm thinking, the one Elliot's talking about is the one that's down in Terrebonne Parish, down below home of the Point of Shen area there. They call it the Pack area. Uh, we did get a, 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 one of our listeners responding because I asked if anyone had any reports on uh, the fishing or the bait availability. And uh, someone said, depending on where he's coming from, Island Marina in Lake Catherine or the bait shop in Slidell. And there is a, 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 a part of uh, the north shore of Lake Pontchartrain that's also called uh, Point or Shen or Oak Point, Oak Flat, a lot of people refer to it. But uh, I guess we got to be more specific. So if anyone's got any information, uh, we're still taking the text messages on that, 504-260-1870. Well, what did we learn this morning? Well, we learned that the Louisiana flounder population is in trouble. It didn't meet the 2020 stock assessment. Uh, that means that by legislative regulation, there has to be some action taking. Wildlife and fisheries biologists are putting together some management options, and that probably will be presented to the commission uh, this February or March, uh, looking like it will include some type of a closure, possibly in October, November, maybe December. Uh, three of the Gulf states, Florida, Alabama, Texas, already have closures in place, and Louisiana is probably going to be next on the list. We'll keep that up to date. Also, a little bit of disturbing news for Alabama, although it's restricted to the extreme northern part of the state. Uh, chronic wasting disease has uh, definitely been detected. It's in Lauderdale County, Alabama, just south of the Tennessee line. They've implemented a special zone there where any deer that are taken uh, need to be tested at one of the, the mobile sampling stations. You can find those on the website for Alabama Wildlife Fisheries and Parks. They also have a uh, buffer zone, which is kind of an extended area. And if you do take a deer there, they encourage you to bring it in for testing to try to limit it to that very specific area. So far, so good in Louisiana. CWD not been detected. Personally, I think it's probably just a matter of time. Uh, it's pretty much in all of the surrounding states. And it's not the worst thing in the world that can happen, but uh, the more... Uh, prevention opportunities we take, the precautions to prevent it spread, uh, the better. All right, we also have, uh, let's see, South Shore Bait and Marina has plenty of shrimp, uh, no size to buy. All right, so there we got, we got some shrimp out there if you're looking for live shrimp, but uh, this is kind of plastic, artificial time of the year as far as I'm concerned, and uh, you can 
you know, work those baits real slow on the bottom, and a lot of times that live shrimp is not necessary. All right, that's going to wrap it up. Uh, that's uh, Reed Alleman singing our, our, our fade-out song. Glad to have him with us, uh, even though he moved off to Colorado. Uh, Reed, great guy, and comes back to visit us every now and then. Hadn't seen him in a while. Need to get with him and do some fishing. You need to get out and do some fishing and hunting, too. We help you do it every week on The Outdoors with Don Dubuque, Radio Network.